Welcome in, you are listening to another episode of 30 and 30, keepthechange.co.nz, Friday money mail every week at 9am, if you're just stumbling across these then sign up to that or tune back in on a Friday or a Saturday you'll get the audio lesson of the podcast. This lesson is a lesson from my life of finally buying a flash car. Is it a waste of money? Is it a waste of time? Who knows? I'm a little bit blocked up. Excuse me, because I am house-sitting, but also I did I just uh, batch recording a couple of pods here, and I went off and I went and did a rat test uh, because uh, I'd, I'd heard that I may have been a, a contact or a close contact or come close to it. So I went and did that. In my word, I tell you what, my eyes were absolutely watering, shoving that stick up my nose. But uh, all negative at this stage, which is exciting stuff. We carry on. But um, shout out to anybody tuning in that has been a bit unwell with the CVID. Hopefully you're all good. But let's get into this one, because buying a flash car, it's not something that you're you're told to do. I, I was taught, if you're anything like me, um, you know, that it's an absolute waste of money, and that's for rich people, and people that are arrogant, and with big egos, and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's the sort of rhetoric, or the narrative, or the story you hear about people that drive around in flash cars, and growing up for me, I was learning in a, uh, what was it, like a, uh, we had a, a Cortina, I think, I don't think I learned to drive in that because I don't think it had power steering, then we had a Mitsubishi Mirage, I remember losing control of that around a 90 degree corner trying to go around it at pace one time, and basically taking my hands off the wheel, and it absolutely just correcting itself, and um, not tipping over and rolling, which was good. I was probably only going 30Ks, but, you know, we'll, ex- we'll put the GST on top of it. You make it 80Ks, I reckon I was going. Straight round. Oh, fuck. But uh, I can still remember that. I've lost control of a couple of cars. I lost control of a, what was that thing called? A Honda Damani. D-O-M-A-N-I. I lost control of it going around a corner. Wasn't even going fast. Back end went out on it. Fucking absolutely shat myself. Managed to get control of it. I've done a defensive driving course, so maybe that kicked in and helped a little bit. But I uh, drove straight to the tyre shop and said, I've just lost control on this and the wet driving you back. They put it, they had a look at it and they're like, mate, you got snow tyres on it. I said, of course I do. Uh, look, look at me, you know. Big fucking motorsport lad over here. I knew that, didn't I? Yeah, the, of course I know those are bloody snow tyres. I'm like, okay, what's a snow tyre? Well, you see, they import cars with snow tyres on them because they're cheaper, but they're not actually very safe and it's legal to sell them here with snow tyres or something. I'm like, mate, I never fucking want to lose control of the back end of that car again. What do I need to do? And they said, when you take them off and put some on, here you go. They're going to cost you whatever. Bang. More cash. I was a student at this stage, I think. So more cash out the old, uh, out the wallet. Uh, and then I graduated to a, a Lexus IS200. And I financed that actually through my good friends at Westpac. And I don't think I've touched on that. So I think by this stage, I would have had a uh, a credit card to them, a loan, home loan to them, and a car loan to them. So my whole life was basically finance, where I lived, what I drove, and the events I was doing on the weekend. So if anything, you could say that Westpac really had me by the balls, didn't they? And they they fucking had my KiwiSaver at that stage too. I'll try and turn the swearing down, sorry, just fired up. Um, so they, they probably had the biggest financial interest in me. And did they sell me? They sold me some insurance, so they had insured. How smart is that, eh? Look at that. So they put me in a house, they gave me the debt, they're earning money there, put me in a car, earning money there. Of course, the loan application fees, don't forget about those. Uh, they're doing my daily banking, so they're charging me to, to have a bank account because, you know, apparently that costs money. Um, and then the car, what else? The credit card, and I got myself into trouble with that. They probably gave me a little bit back through the old hot points, God bless them. And then they sold me some insurance to make sure that if I died, I'd be able to pay it all off. Bit of life insurance and some medical insurance and whatnot, some fire in general as well. 
top products the banks sell you. Uh, KiwiSaver probably earning about 0.3% in that, but said, oh, you know, you want to have it with us because you'll be able to check your balance. Well, actually, uh, why do I need to know my balance when I'm not going to be able to use it for 60-something years? I don't want to log in and see that every day, do I? What a waste of time. But anyway, uh, Westpac really wrapped their arms around me, and shout out to anyone at Westpac that's listening. But I managed to diversify for, away from Westpac as I um, as I ca- carried on. I still use them as my main bank and. Uh, to be fair, they're, they're really good to, to deal with. They actually ring me, I think, annually to be like, hey, you know, what are you, what are you up to? Um, do you want to buy any more of our products or anything? But these days, using a bit of BNZ, a bit of ASB, got an ANZ, got every bloody single account, I think. Don't have a Kiwi bank, but you know, maybe put that on the goals for 2022, have another bank account. I don't know what that's going to achieve. But uh, we do our business banking through ASB and through BNZ. And one of the things that we did is we went and brought flash cars. Now... This was very early into our business journey, but uh, Phil, my business partner, he was cruising around on a scooter. I was heading around town in my IS200, my Lexus, which is basically like a Toyota Altiza, I think the equivalent model is, and mine was pretty run down by this stage, and it was something that we identified that once we started doing okay-ish, we were going to get some nicer cars, and... Uh, I've got a, a Mercedes, a CLA 45. It's sort of like the entry level into the Mercedes speedy type class, I think. And uh, Phil's got an Audi RS3. So a couple of classic, typical Auckland wankers driving around in the European cars and thinking they're hot shit. But, you know, that's probably what you got taught. Oh, yeah, these people that drive these flash cars think they're hot shit. And, you know, we... I don't think that we think about ourselves like that, but why did we do it then? Well, we didn't even have an office at this stage, so we were getting flash cars before we had an office, and some people were probably thinking, well, what the hell, these dudes are just, uh, you know, they're trying to be all show without actually any substance behind what they're doing, and really it was about getting Phil off his scooter because that ultimately wasn't massively safe. Uh, I was doing a a fair bit of driving, and so wanted a a nicer car, and we sort of stepped into the version of ourselves that we were going to become. Now, we got cars that we knew we were eventually going to get in this business, and then we used debt to get them uh, ahead of time. Now, people would say to you, well, that, that's fucking stupid. You know, what? why are you borrowing money to buy a car you can't afford? And you've probably even heard me say that, so that's probably fair enough. But that's exactly what debt is. It's allowing you to purchase things that you currently can't afford, and then you've got to figure out, can you finance the uh the debt in the meantime. Now we were very lucky that we could get access to very cheap debt, so it wasn't costing us much. We were actually able to to pay them down, uh, and you know decrease our interest as we went. But uh, there was still debt against those. So I'm by no means any uh, hero or uh, perfect financial user of some of my own advice. But we uh, we had a business that was that had free cash flow that it allowed for this. So by the time we did this, we could actually afford to make the loan repayments very easily, two, three times over if we needed to, and we paid uh, a deposit. And then when you buy a vehicle in a business as well, it, it allows you to depreciate it if if you're using it for business use. You can claim the travel, uh, sorry, the um, the repairs, the maintenance of it, the petrol that goes into it, all of those types of things that becomes a uh, business expense if used for business. That is why so many people buy vehicles under a business. Now, what depreciation is, is let's say a car's worth 100 grand. Usually, a vehicle would depreciate at 30% per year in accounting terms. So, what that means is at the end of year one, it's worth $70,000 on paper. Now, if you went and you sold it, say, the next month, January, month 13, for 80 grand, they would say, well, you've claimed $30,000 of depreciation, which has brought your taxable income down by 30 grand. 
and you've paid therefore less tax because you've got this expense on, on your books of 30 grand. But now you've sold it for 80, you've actually got $10,000, so that's 80 minus the 70, which your, your books, your accounts think it's worth, 70 grand. Um, you, you need to include the $10,000 as depreciation recovered, which is a form of income because you've claimed you're de- too much depreciation. Now, you're probably thinking, well, I don't, why do I need to know about that shit? I don't have a business, but I just want to give you a little bit of understanding of why business owners might buy a vehicle. Now, something else that I come across when having my flash car was uh, a mate of mine who was like, oh, mate, nice car. Uh, Thank you, sir. And he said, hey, where do you get it serviced? I said, I haven't had to have it serviced yet because it's actually got a guarantee and whatnot uh, in the first few years. And he said, well, when you do need to, here's my mate, get in touch with him, and he, he'll sort you out. He, he services European cars. Oh, beautiful. So I store that one in the head in the old memory bank. Sure enough, Phil needs to get his car serviced. I said, mate, before you take it in, give this guy a call. This guy I know, absolute top great bloke. I can trust him. He trusts this person to fix all of his toys and European cars and blah, blah, blah. Maybe get in touch, go down, feel him out, see if you want to go through him. And basically, long story short, via this person... Um, we've probably saved ourselves maybe close to 10 grand between the two cars in terms of servicing them and getting things fixed and getting tyres put on and all sorts uh, between ourselves. So, you know, that's one of those things where it's like your network is your net worth. So that has helped us. It's, it's not what you know, it's who you know, those types of sayings where those actually become true for you. And uh, that's obviously saved us some money. But again, those repairs, those costs, they become tax deductible to a business that's using those those vehicles to, um, you know, to generate income and be a, a business asset rather than a person buying a vehicle to drive to work. Now, I see so often people who are running a business that doesn't have much cash flow go to the car dealership and say, hey, I want to finance this Ford Ranger, I want to finance this Mitzi Triton Ute, I want to finance this Beamer, I want to finance this Audi, and they let me know, hey, I brought an Audi. I'm like, how? Like, oh, well, um, paid a three grand deposit, financed 60 grand. And it is so rife across the entire country, finance on vehicles, because in the eyes of the lender, so the person selling you the car, well, the person selling the car, they just want to get paid, right? They want to get paid their commission. They're going to then put you into a finance intermediary, and then that finance company is going to lend you the cash to buy it, and you're going to have to pay that back. So much like Westpac did with my IES 200, they sort of know, well, if, if shit hits the fan for you and you can't repay it, they're going to come, they're going to knock on the door and they're going to say, give me that car, we are selling it. So if you fail to meet your obligations, they're going to sell it. So it's not a massively risky debt product to sell to you or I because they know that there's something tangible that they can collect should the shit hit the fan. Then they start to work out the percentages of how many people are going to have the shit hit the fan and then there'll be some that they really can't recover. They're going to lose some money on some. But that's often sort of how a debt product will work. So vehicle finance has become very, very easy to get and also very dangerous for a number of people because they are getting loans on vehicles that they can't necessarily afford, but the lenders are willing to lend the money on them. Now, Bill and I were a bit more prudent being accountants. We were, let's do it when we can really afford to, let's not just go and do it because we can. So the old saying, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Now, what has having a flash car done for me? Well, I'd been sort of, like I said, taught growing up, you know, flash cars are for wankers, all those types of things. And and uh, it was it was almost like a movement away from my more of my scarcity mindset. Now, I don't care about cars. I'm not into them. I'm not excited. 
literally we rushed to get them in the end because there was whispers that Audi were going to stop making the RS3 and feels like, shit, I need to get my hands on one. Got his hands on one. Uh, the one that I wanted was like a little hatchback Nardo grey, which is like a gunmetal grey, and I'd taken one for a test drive. I liked it, and there were none of those. And then I rung the Mercedes store and was like, I've seen this kind of car, explained it to them. I was like, what is that? And they are like, oh, it's a C63 and I said, do you have any at your like premises? And they were like, yep. I said, what do they cost? Like oh, 150 to 180 grand. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, oh, nah, that's, sorry. That's like way beyond what uh, we're wanting to spend. And, you know, that's what my house in Harra cost, isn't it? And uh, he said, oh, well, um, there's a, basically the same looking car, but just without all the grunt and stuff, the CLA 45. And I said, oh, okay, I'll Google that. So I Googled that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I think that's the one I was talking about. He goes, yeah, we've got one of those uh, here if you want to come have a look. So I cruise down there, and I turn up there in shorts and T-shirt and roll up. I'm like, hey, I'm the guy that just called up about CLA 45. And my mate Glenn at Mercedes, absolute champion bloke, he was just like, yeah, okay. Um, I'll take you for a test drive in the C63, eh? And I'm like, well, I can't afford that, so it's probably a waste of time. But hey, look, you know, whatever. It's an experience, right? So we jump in that, and he thrashes it around the block. And I'm like, he's like, mate, this thing's rear-wheel drive. You know, if you pump it hard enough, you lose the back end. I'm like, ah, fuck, that happened to my Honda Damani one time. I'm like, take this thing back, mate. i got no interest in any car that's going to fucking swing out at the back. That I'm fucking still got it. Uh, you know, post-traumatic, what is that thing called, PTSD or something, I shouldn't joke about that stuff, but from bloody losing control, I was like, nah, put that back. And he's like, oh, the four-wheel drive, the CLA is a four-wheel drive, lot studio. I'm like, oh, beautiful. The yeah, upmice just ticking even more boxes. I'm like, I think I'll have this, mate. And so I drove it around the block once, didn't even really go on the motorway or anything, and I was like, yeah, cool, mate, I think I'll probably take that, eh? And he was like, yeah? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. I was like, oh, going to need to get finance, obviously, so um, like, I'll just sort that and I'll call you back. So I left and I thought, oh, he'll, he'll call me because he'll think, shit, I've got a sale here. Didn't, didn't hear from my boy Glenn. Uh, Glenn probably thought, oh, Luke's just uh, just an absolute tie kicker, rolled up here in his T-shirt and his shorts and hasn't really taken this seriously. He's driven around the block and then told me he's going to buy this uh, $90,000, $100,000 car. And then I, I bring them back. I'm like, mate, like I'm keen to get that. Um, what's the, can, can I get the demo one? Because there was one, like a demo one. And, and I think it had already done 10,000 Ks or whatever. And so that instantly decreases the price of it by over 10,000 bucks. Then we're claiming the GST back. So the price for me is just decreasing continuously because I'm not caring about the brand new one. And, uh, and then we can take claim the GST back as a business. So we're able to do that as well, which then means that the vehicle is worth less as such or you're paying less for it. But when you do go to sell it, you need to pay the GST back on it at that sale price. Anyway, that's more accounting stuff. And so organised the finance, rolled up there, and uh, Glenn had my, my car ready and drove it off the lot. And I can't remember how many years ago that was now, but chucked something on my Instagram and was like, wow, you know, finally got a flash car. But, um, you know, the, the I guess where I started was the going away from the scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset. And then... I was sort of like, oh, fuck, now I don't want to scratch the rims because that's going to cost so much and I've got to be real careful with it and all these things. And then eventually, you know, like anything new that you buy after a little while, it loses its uh, appeal and, and all that sort of stuff um, and you you don't take as good of a care of it and stuff. But and I again, like I'm not a maintenance guy, I'm not a clean guy, so I'm not out there cleaning my car, but I know some people love doing that and... Phil's car is always cleaner than mine because he just takes a lot more care for it. For me, it's just not something that I just massively care about. So it's just, at the end of that, it's another car for me. But I tell you what, it has changed my life. And here's a few things. 
One, when I was driving my Alteza slash my IS200, I was fucking always living in fear that it was going to blow up. And I would start my morning in effectively a state of anxiety because I'd been told, mate, you need to get the cam belt done on this car. And I never did. And I would drive in. So it's my fault because I wasn't taking any action. And I'd think, fuck, today could be the day that it snaps. And, you know, wonder what actually happens. And I didn't have heaps of power in it, so you go to pass people, and you're like, oh, can I actually make it past that passing lane, and all those types of things. And when it got into a flash car, like, I noticed shortly after, I'm like, wow, I haven't had to think about all of those things. So I think there's a lesson there for people. What are the things that you're using in your life that are actually causing you damage that you can't see, i.e., a phone that's just always broken or, um, you know, is uh, is just turning off all the time and it's frustrating you and you're getting really angry or what things are in your life that are bringing you misery, struggle, anxiety, unhappiness, unfulfillment because you can't figure out how to get to a better version of it. And can we remove some of those things so that the second, third, third and fourth order consequences, as I often talk about, removed uh, are removed too so I'm no longer thinking about okay you know is my cam belt going to break today I'm like I fucking hope not in this near new brand new well near new Mercedes surely it's not so that's gone from my my daily routine now I'm not worrying about that I'm like man this is so sick and I can plug my phone into it oh my god I've got aircon because when I was a kid growing up whoa whoa whoa, whoa hey turn the aircon off mate you know that uses too much petrol so all of a sudden I'm like oh yeah I don't know if I want to use the aircon in my car because um that's probably going to use even more gas. And there's a custom mode, a comfort mode, there's a sport, there's a sport plus, and there's a race mode. And I'm having a bit of fun in the sport plus, and I'm watching the petrol go down. I'm like, oh, fuck, man, this is expensive to run this thing. I don't know if I should be doing this. Ah, let's go back to comfort mode, and that'll use less fuel. So I was really starting to transition into this kind of, man, some of these things that I'd learned, I'm not really living them anymore, and everything's kind of changing for me. And uh, I've really, really enjoyed that car and I still drive it. I just drove it before to go and get one of these rat tests and I feel so safe in it. I went to a driving day with Mercedes. The Mercedes have been like absolutely amazing in terms of going there, dropping it off. Yeah, we'll service it, we'll clean it for you, we'll make sure it's all good. I could just turn up there, drop it off, they'd clean it, wander back, happy days, brand spanking new, looking and when they polish it, you start getting comments the next week, like, oh, mate, nice car. But as soon as it gets a bit dirty, it starts raining, the thing just looks like shit, just looks like a dirty black car, and people are like, ooh, you know, what is that? But no one comments. Very, very strange. As soon as it's polished up, people start to notice it again, but it's probably, it's quite a few, effectively, like, quite a few years old, and in people's minds, maybe like a 2018 model or something now, but I love it, and um, they invited me to this uh, training day, and I went to this training day, and they had professional drivers there. You got to do laps, not in your car, but in other similar car. well, basically the same models, but theirs, and then ones above it. It's effectively like a good sales funnel that hoping that you're hoping that you'll end up trying out a vehicle ahead of yours and go and buy that at some stage, no doubt. But um, to understand the technology behind some of these cars was just, it gave me a massive new appreciation for vehicles. And a couple of things that I still remember from it were, how each of the different car manufacturers, they're constantly working on new technology to make vehicles safer. And once they sort of clock it and patent it or trademark it or whatever and take credit for it, they'll actually share it with the other car makers so that vehicles themselves can be safer for everyone. And one of the things that stood out was that before, well, when you if you crash a car, all of the, the airbags... Um, 
explode or whatever, right? So they come out at you. And, you know, I'd grown up in cars without airbags and stuff, so finally I've got airbags. I'm like, holy shit, you know, fucking life really is changing. Um, they said that people's eardrums burst because there's so much pressure going into the cabin of a vehicle. So then someone designed this technology that just before the airbags go off, there's a white noise that rings out through the cars and it activates something in your eardrum so that when the airbags explode a millisecond later, your ears are already ready for this explosion and you don't have ringing in your ears after because they thought, well, we better fix that. And I was sitting there going, fuck, this is embarrassing. I rang old Glenn boy back at Merck on, you know, when I was trying to buy it. I was like, hey, mate, um, you know, I reckon, can I get you down 500 bucks? And he's like, no. Oh, really? Because I, I just don't, I don't have whatever it was, 80,000 something. And he's just like, well, no, like someone else will buy it. And I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, okay, um, shit. And, you know, I've been taught, oh, always negotiate on your price you pay for your vehicle and all of that stuff. Um, and I was, I just felt like a dick. I'm like, wow, these people, like, the, you're not driving a car, you're driving a device that's designed to save your life should something go wrong. And it just gave me a new respect for all of the work that goes into that industry because previously I hadn't cared. And I was like, oh, those wankers with their flash cars and things. But people dedicate their lives to ensuring that driving is is safer for people. And then I went out on the track and got to drive a couple. And I realized that, you know, I, I just can't drive to save myself. The driving guy's like, fuck you doing, man? Get closer to the corner and, whoa, you want to be pointing out that direction and why are you going so slow? And I'm like, fuck, stop it. This is too fast. Uh, and just seeing the way they could drive it and what those cars are actually capable and and when, um, you know, they actually over t- they basically overpower you and start to correct your inability to drive was just amazing and then just flying a car at 80k's an hour towards a body uh, a, like a a cardboard cutout of a human and it can picture well, that's a human and just overrides you and it's like sorry mate I'm on the brakes here and stops it within 30 centimeters of this uh this this fake person and just these things that people are really putting their lives into developing it was very very eye-opening and it definitely changed the way that I now look at vehicles and my respect for vehicles. I still don't care about them. I still don't get excited by them. But I, it was, again, one of those moments in life where I've gone, fuck, some of the things, some of the judgments that I've had about these types of cars and these types of people that drive them, Lukey boy, you might have got this wrong. You might have had the wrong education here. You might have had the wrong information. You might have been looking at it from the wrong way. So, again, I was Another lesson for me, pull envy away, pull judgment away. What like what good's going to come of that? Why do you want to hate on someone in a flash car? What's that going to do for you? Why do you want to envy them? I saw today at a cafe a guy rolling around in a Bentley. The old version of Luke would be like, oh, fucking Bentley, like who the fuck's this guy think he is? Now I'm like, wow, that's, you know, good on him. If that's what he wants, I wonder, I wonder what he's done to achieve that. My mind is just completely different to the old scarce version of itself that uh, it was once nurtured to be as such and that once I'd conditioned it to be as well because it was coming from a place of envy and lack of understanding and lack of curiosity of okay how can that person justify spending three to five hundred thousand dollars on a car how does someone decide that they want to buy a Lambo and you might have seen on my Instagram story recently that you know I when I go to the airport I, I keep an eye out for flash cars and I try and park by them because it's something that I've done when I didn't have a flash car knowing that one day just one day that I would have a flash car. And maybe my one is, is less than 100 grand, so it's not, you know, it's nothing special really. There's people with way flasher cars than mine, 
but it is a lot flasher than what I'd come from and what I kind of thought the ceiling of car ownership was uh, for me. So I'm trying to figure out, well, if we get taught, you know, a car's a waste of money, I'm like, well, then what the fuck's up with all these flash cars that are around? How, what do these people get taught? Was it just was it just me, or did it, did I get a different lesson here? And, you know, it's really, it's each to their own. I don't think that a vehicle necessarily can bring you, well, I, I'm not going to say it can't bring you fulfillment or happiness, because honestly, I actually get a lot of happiness and fulfillment out of my car. And all the literature tells you, all the, like, the Instagram stories and stuff, like, oh, fucking, you know, a flash car won't bring you happiness and stuff. That That may be true for some people, but, maybe that's the best thing that someone ever buys in their lives. And what, do we want to starve them of that just because we think it's a waste of money? Like who decides what's a waste of money, right? And if that's something that's really going to resonate with you, then maybe find a way to, to have that in your life at some stage and, and get curious from people that have got flash cars in your circles and your networks and your communities and be like, hey, tell me about that. Like why, why did you buy it? And people love talking about themselves and the things that they own and the things that they buy. So get inquisitive. Don't look at them and go, oh, I'm jealous, oh, I'm envious, oh, rich bastard, oh, because most vehicles are financed anyway. So I've taught you that. Basically, there's a higher chance that whatever vehicle you're looking at, no one actually owns it except for the finance company. They probably don't actually, especially a younger person, probably doesn't actually own that car. They're probably repaying the finance on it to eventually own it. And I tell you what, what I see all the time is that clients never own their cars. They end up trading it in, getting a piss poor valuation for it and then using that to offset the next one that they buy and starting the whole process again because humans we love to make progress and we love to get something flasher very hard to drive a flash car and then go back to a shitter isn't it but you know maybe that's a test for some people and I'm sure that most people want to kind of progress up to the next one or get the one that can now tow the boat or the jet ski and all those types of things but um, I think you have to be very careful if you've been taught that having a flash car is a waste of money you need to decide what waste of money actually means and what, um, you know, if you were to buy a car, a flash car or expensive car, why would you do that? For what purpose? And you're going to need to justify this to your wife, to your husband, to somebody at some stage. And, you know, at the position that I was in, it was doable, but I wouldn't, I would easily get rid of it if I needed to. If my life wasn't working like that, and I couldn't afford it, I hand it back, and you know, now as well, I drive it way less, because I live close to work, I drive less anyway, I live right in the city, and I even get an e-scooter to work, and I'm not like, oh, you know, if, if, I, if I was a really true accountant, I would, should sell it, clear the final debt on it, which isn't much, take the pro- proceeds, bank that back into the business, and use that for Uber for probably the next two, three years and it'd probably comfortably cover it. But I really enjoy driving it. So that's why I don't, because I actually enjoy having that car, having that freedom, and driving it, and going and listening to things that lift me up, and having good quality technology, and feeling safe, and knowing, okay, we can drive this distance, and it's not going to run out of fuel, or there's not going to be something that's going to go wrong, or the camp out's going to go wrong. So it brings a different thing to my life. So you want to figure out, why are you doing it? And as always, if you're doing it to impress other people or you're doing it at really ahead of your ability to afford it, you need to you need to think about it, especially if you're doing it out of finance because if you were to then go and buy a house, for instance, they want to know, like I've taught you, what's your assets, what's your, your liabilities? That's your net worth, okay? 
what liabilities have you got? Oh, I've got a 40 grand car loan. Ooh, okay. Maybe that's not that bad because you've got a big KiwiSaver, a big deposit, all these things, but they go, well, hang on, there's a portion of your income that gets, uh, a, what's the word, allocated to that instantly every payment. So they say, well, that's 200 bucks that you can't use to pay down your loan because you're paying back a finance, a vehicle finance. And they're looking at your serviceability. So borrowing for shit things like cars, for instance, I call them shit things like cars because they're going to get in the way of your ultimate goals. So you need to think again about what your ultimate goals are and the things that you're going to want to buy and whether they're going to incur debt to get them. And then are you going to be the person that goes and gets an $80,000 bloody Range Rover or Ford Ranger or whatever those things cost these days just to fit in with your mates so that you can throw your golf clubs on the back and throw a spade on the back and yeah, we can all link up and we've got a Ford Ranger each and no one gives a fuck. If you then go and say to your partner, oh, nah, we can't buy this house because our head's up. The bank don't like the fact that I owe 60 grand on this Ford Ranger. What the hell? So think about the decisions you're making when you're taking on debt for flash things and are they going to impact your ability to make the decisions on the things that you really want to achieve. As I always say, this always this stuff always steps back with you deciding what you want in your life and then building a plan and how you're going to get there. I deep down probably wanted a flash car. I thought it was going to happen later in my life. I don't really have any desires to have even flasher cars. I kind of have a bit of a desire to have an electric car just to maybe support that uh, movement of the way it's going and support some of the innovation and, and work that those brands are putting into that space and if I do that, I'll keep you posted about it. But I don't have like a lot of older business owners I speak to. They want Porsches or they want Lambos or they want these cars that I've never heard of. They want yachts and stuff. Man, that stuff like bores the shit out of me. I'm like, hang on, what's underneath that? Like, why do you want that? What's all that about? Like, why don't you then just go get the finance? Because it's so easy to do. Go and get the finance and then go and get it. You can have your Porsche. Then what? What's going to happen two months later once you're bored of it? So... You know, people have to think about, it. usually it's, that line of question is because people want the process of getting it and they want to go through that and the flash car becomes an output for that work. Now, I appreciate that not everybody's ever going to have the ability to have a flash car um, and some of you may be listening to this being like, well, you know, this guy can just go and buy an $80,000 Merc or whatever and yeah, hey, cool, great for me, but that's my thing, you know, it's, it doesn't it doesn't need to be what you aspire to or you want, but all I'm saying is that don't hate on those people, don't envy them, who cares, um, you know, think about what you want and if you've been taught that they're a waste of money, ask those people that taught you that, how come, tell me why and find out from them because the, the world has changed and our access to these things has changed so they're very, very easy to get now and to use debt to get them, perhaps that wasn't available when your parents were teaching you those lessons um, but perhaps you just shouldn't be buying something like that because you don't really need it and you could get by with uh, the bare necessity. And I did that for 28 years of my life before having this ultimately flash car um, that still effectively in some ways is a waste of money because I don't necessarily need it. I could be scootering to work, I could be catching the bus, I could be Ubering, but I want it. And I think it's okay to want things and then go after those goals and achieve them and find ways to get them but again figure out why you want those things in your life and what it's going to do for you and don't just let someone else's education around a vehicle be yours because we're all wired completely differently now that has been buying a flash car I hope that has got you thinking 
Uh, there's a good 30 minutes there. There'd been a couple of people who were interested in my take on that as well. So I hope um, you know that's been a good deep dive into that subject because it's something that I think we'll be talking about for years and years to come is what's the point of, of having flash cars. And, and I know that as fuel gets more expensive, uh, it's all going to change and, and we're going to think more about electric and things. So you know these topics are going to continue and wherever you look, there's going to be a different opinion on what's right or wrong in this space. And I don't think there is a right or wrong in this space. I think the right or wrong is decided by you and then your job is to justify that to the people around you why you've gone down that path. Be yourself. Do things that you want. Go after them. It's all good to want flash things. Just make sure that they don't come at the cost of other goals that you have in your life too.